Welcome to the Zwift SBS podcast. Zwift is the app that turns indoor training into a game. With structured workouts, training plans and massive online group rides to make your training fun. Because fun is results. Fun is fast. Go to Zwift.com and start your free trial. Bonjour, 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 and uh, welcome to the Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Uh, before we start, let me uh, remind you that we can uh, download, stream, or subscribe to this podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash central or log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Joining me, it's Dave McKenzie. And I said joining me. Actually, I'm joining you. You your, are joining your, um, me. Um, um, board. Where are uh, we? We are on your terrace. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say the address. <laughs> no, Whatever the address, I, I get a fee for, you, uh, for the address. Mate, you are welcome. And you've just, you've just raided my fridge. You I'm got starving. here. You're making this excuse you've had no lunch. And that's okay. Yeah, I'm happy to I have no food for three assist. days. Hey, and prosciutto. Prosciutto in the fridge. Uh, hey, it's pretty good. Respect. Respect. <laughs> you know. uh, Maka, we've got a special guest with us today. We, are, we have got a special guest. And you know what? I've wanted her on for actually quite a while now um, to talk all things cycling, of course. She's a good friend. She's a better friend of my wife, and that's okay. But I know this person from way back, and we can talk a little bit about that. Liz Taylor, welcome to the podcast. Former silver medalist at the World Road Champs, but I guess more recently, which is a nice time to chat to you, is the race director of the Women's Melbourne Warnable. Welcome. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. Uh, the Melbourne to Warnable, first year with a, with a women's race dedicated to on, on its own. How important was this? I think it's very important. I know the women are very, very capable of doing a lot of them, of doing the full warning, but to have their own kind of platform to show their teams and um, get their own coverage and have their own winner, I think is a good step forward. Liz, I saw a photo uh, of that morning, the morning of the morning, of yourself, I might miss a name or two here, yourself, Karen Jones, of course, the event organiser, Karen O'Callaghan and Tracy Gordry as well. On the start line, four women pretty much running the event. Um, I know we sort of and I, I, I hope I don't sound sort of condescending or I'm not sure what it's You never do, like. Maka, you never do. You no, never. but I mean, <laughs> you know, we, we've sort of, it's like let's break the ceiling of this. But all that aside, how, how good did that feel, you know, to be pretty much you guys are in charge of hopefully the future of women cycling in a small way in this country? Um, it, it did feel really good. Um, there are a lot of women doing a lot of great things in cycling, and um, and I guess to have that recognised was great. Um, especially to be part of such an event that has such a long, rich, rich history, and you know, predominantly male. But there has been female stories along the way, and I think the excitement and the feel that. Um, everybody felt it was the right time and it was well supported and everyone was happy. It wasn't like oh, a token event, you know, we'll give them a chance kind of feel. It was, well, it was a really good um, positive feeling. When you look at uh, the results of the race, you've got, of course, uh, Matty Dan Reynolds was on, on the podium uh, again. She won it back to back, but she finished third, I think. Uh, back to back in the men's. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the she rode the men's distance Absolutely. And, and won the women's. Uh, but yeah. yeah, back to back. But then uh, this year, she uh, only just managed to be on the podium. But Maeve Proof uh, did extremely well. And that sprint was so well timed. Yeah, I think um, nobody was sure what, whether she would be there for the 160 kilometre, what she was capable of. But she's just 
um, proving to everyone that she's up for road and um, capable. Definitely a great win. What do you make of the the women's scene? You know, I think back, I mean, we came through sort of together. Um, you know, we grew up in Country Vic and then we, we both sort of, I guess, moved to Melbourne and went overseas and raced it in the sort of national teams. And there was slim pickings um, for Aussie women, yourself, Anna Wilson. Um, you know, you propelled yourselves to the you know, top of the world stage. Um, but what do you make of it now for Aussie women? And um, do you wish you do you wish you could wind the clock back sometimes? <laughs> I yeah, I do in a lot of ways. I I look at it now and go, wow, that's great. There's so many, uh, so much support for teams for women. Although the only kind of team we did have teams, but there was institute teams, so it was very much based around institutes and states rather than seeing commercial support for women and um, I do look at it now and, the, and see how much coverage they get and how much support they get and I am envious yeah. but I'm also very, very pleased to see it progressing in the right direction. So when you see, of course, the Melbourne to Warrnambool having their first edition here, uh, they, there was also the first edition of the, the Paris-Roubaix for women uh, early on last year. Um, all those classics which were for hundreds of years men's only pretty much terrain. But now, the, the, as you mentioned, the ceiling has been broken. The whole story has to be written. Yeah, and I, the ceiling has... It's not only been broken, it's also been... Um, I feel like they don't have to prove themselves every time they go out for a new event anymore because even on the weekend and I could see the the girls felt the pressure to to make put on a performance that looked worthy enough to be we can we can do this we should have our own event um so I I think now that you know they've well and truly proved that they're worthy of having their own events they've got their own you know stories to tell within the peloton and we're all learning the characters within the peloton i think it's lovely yeah yeah I, i couldn't agree more it's and look i put my hand up i'll confess and and part of it i blame the sport and i and i think as men in the sport we all have to you know maybe wear a little bit of that blame as well but when the racing isn't shut aired at me as a commentator or reporter i don't get to cover it so i didn't mm-hmm. know a lot of the women cyclists um you know for a long time so you know, that it's probably the last five years, I guess, it's been a, a real sort of, um, it's been refreshing, yeah. I suppose. But the women on the start line, do you do you think they were feeling it as well? That that real sense of, because it is history, and, you know, we can we can play it down. And I know you will, Liz, you, you know, you're pretty humble and you'll talk it down. But in 50 years' time, it'll be the 50th edition. Yeah. of the Women's Melbourne And they were always and going to be the number one, the first edition. They'll be the first one, the first race director, the first winner. Maeve Plouffe will be part of that history. Karen Jones will. You know, all, all of these women that, that have made it happen. So do you think the women's cyclists on the start line were feeling that as well? I know they were. There was a, a huge amount of buzz and excitement and I heard the chatter after the race. Like, they had been very, very aggressive up until when TV was going to be live and once, you know, it hit the 10.30 mark, the race kind of lulled. And they're like, oh, my gosh, we were racing so hard and then it lulled and they're going to put, we're going to think that we're, you know, just riding along having a picnic. And I was like, oh, don't stress. They've got a highlights package. They've put it, you know, pitched it up. It's not like they've just gone straight to you guys riding along at 
25k an hour. So there was that, you know, they were they were feeling the pressure to perform, and um, and they did. They performed beautifully. It was a, a great event. And, and actually, after the race, you talked about, you probably talked to most of the riders as well. We saw. I just compared it to Paris-Roubaix. We saw the pride of all the riders after the Paris-Roubaix, the selfies, the, all the photos they were taking on the finish line. And, and so on. was that that feeling as well? The, the, the riders were, you know, so happy to have been part of it, but also have completed it? Yeah, I think so. I think, um, be, you know, bringing it to the light of everybody, have, having a platform, a stage, um, just give brings that sense of excitement yes we're telling our story like we're getting you know we're showing what we can do um because you know we have had women's tour de france's before we have been on the champs Elysees, but we've never had that coverage and the, and that's the difference it's it's the the level of coverage and support has increased tremendously yeah yeah, yeah. and i was going to say what i love about what you just said is how the women were saying post race oh we raced so full gas for the first hour Women are smarter than men. <laughs> they're switched on because they're thinking in a commercial sense as well, aren't they, I suppose? And I was chatting to, I can't think who it was, a couple of the women uh, throughout January anyway. Actually, it might be Gracie Alvin because she's obviously started working with us a, quite a bit more on, on SBS. And she said, you know, we weren't earning the money that, that, say, I guess the top tier of the men were earning. Um, so we had to be really active on social media to build a bit of a following, and so I feel like I feel like the next few years, and of course with the women's Tour de France, the stage race that returns, it's not it's not the beginning, but I feel like it's just going to grow exponentially faster than the men's scene. Do you think that's possible as well? I, I do think it will be a slow, gradual grow. I'm. I mean, my daughter's just getting into mountain biking, and I and it's really refreshing in mountain biking, what you call it modern cycling, because it, they have they do have the same level of coverage, and the and you do see the same level of um, social media feeds for them both, and and she does follow all these female athletes and role models and and see that, and I think that that's happening on the road too. Things like Lizzie Dygan having, yeah. you know, announcing she's having a baby and that's acceptable, and she's going to come back. And these are all huge steps. And the, and the I, team signing her until twenty twenty four as well. So the team yeah, backing her up, backing her, big time, and supporting her and showing young girls what what is possible. Let's. I think that is going to have an exponential. Um, effect on how many girls are coming into the sport. And just to conclude, the, the, the quality of the Aussie field as well on the international stage, we all rave about the Dutch uh, ladies, they are the best in the world, but the Aussies are probably just right behind when you look at, as a nation, what the, 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 the quality of the riders we have. Now, and, and we've also got all this talent racing within Australia coming through, I think we're really in a good position. Yeah, well, thank you for joining us. Uh, and and uh, we definitely are looking forward to uh, next year's Melbourne to Warrnambool, I'm sure. Uh, have, you, have you got the bug now, Liz, the uh, race director bug? <laughs> uh, I think I need to improve my uh, media skills, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, we're here to help if you want. <laughs> Thanks, Liz. Thanks, Liz. No so, Maka, you know what? We're going to do a, a small pause because we are going to talk uh, eWorld and, and Zwift uh, are part of the eWorld Championship. Uh, so, I'm just going to have a chat. I'm going to go away for a little while. You do that. Yes. I'll, I'll 
crank the pizza oven, mate, because that's actually why you came here for pizza, free exactly. pizza. Exactly. So let's take a little break from the pizza. I'm just going to go and talk e-cycling any world, and uh, we uh, come back right to it with uh, what's coming up next week on the Cycling World and SBS. <laughs> And now, as promised, uh, is, uh, it's time to talk about the, the world of e-cycling. And we've got uh, two of our former favorite personalities around this world. It's uh, our very own Kate Bates. How are you, Kate? I'm great. It's great to be here, Christoph. Very exciting to talk all things e-sports. Absolutely. And then uh, to talk all things e-sport and technology, the man, the guru himself, the lama, Shen. How are you, Shen Miller? I am very, very well. Look, it's very dangerous getting me on talking about this because I can talk and talk and talk nonstop about this technology. So you're going to have to put the brakes on me at some point, but I'm keen to have a chat today. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure we can have a chat about technology of the brakes as well, if we are there. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about the, the, the E-World Championship happening this weekend. And uh, like I said, our very own Kate Bates has got a bit of a particular special role for our girls this year. I do. It's very exciting. Um, I am directing the women's team, um, so I will be sitting in the virtual team car. Uh, and I've spent the last couple of weeks looking at different strategies. And, um, you know, Shane would know how terribly deep you can deep dive into everything mm-hmm. uh, Zwift and esports related. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's really exciting, but it's something uh, a little bit new for me being on this side of the fence uh, with the riders. So, yeah, I'm really taking it on. Okay, so what does that involve, Kate? Uh, what, what, what can we expect? Uh, first of all, a very, 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 very early morning for you, I think. <laughs> it is, yes. I will be in the pens at 3.15 a.m. Uh, I'm burns, in Brisbane. So <laughs> it does. If, uh, someone makes me coffee. <laughs> I always tend to say, well, free, okay, I've seen it, but like 5 a.m., I don't, I don't even know if it, it, it exists. I've heard about it. I've never seen it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll send you um, some text, so make sure you put your phone on yeah, silent. <laughs> no, uh, so in the lead up, we've been spending a lot of time, obviously, on the technology. Like it's there's a lot of really different things the riders have to do uh, to even get on the start line and not risk disqualification around technology. So they get a special uh, trainer, for example, that uh, they can only race on for the World Championships is specially calibrated. And then, then once they warm down they can't touch it again they have to just send it back so then they can independently verify all results Um, so that's just one example of what we've had to go through in that you know in the lead up to make sure they're on the line and then once the gun goes Christoph I reckon I'll be biting my fingernails a little bit on this one Uh, but essentially it's no different to being in a real car a real team car Um, void for the fact for me that I will have probably seven screens with everybody's power uh, visible to me, all of the gameplay I'll be able to see. I'll be following individual riders as well as uh, different parts of the bunch and I'll be letting everybody know how we're sitting not only in line with our strategy and what I'm seeing on screen uh, but all of the data that I'm able to synthesise from all of the different feeds I have in the background. So I definitely will need that coffee uh, in order to do that. Uh, It's a bit exhausting and taxing but to be honest I think the one thing about esports is it can be a little bit of sensory overload for the athletes uh, and that is the big job for the director is to take away that sensory overload and just feed them data in the most simple way possible. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is your your own world, uh, Shane, as well. Uh, talking about the technology, uh, how how incredible is this in terms of the actual technology? If you would have thought there could be a world championship this way, this caliber, this scale, ten years ago, 
You know, you would not have thought this possible. We've gone from staring at the brick wall or playing YouTube videos or playing just repeated videos, <clears throat> excuse me, to competing at the on the world stage against pro tour level riders or people who might not even be in the pro tour, but ha- who have that kind of caliber who can showcase their abilities um, from their own home. It's absolutely amazing. Now, one thing that we only skim the surface, if you're watching this at home and on the live stream <clears throat> and the replays, you're only seeing what's sort of on the surface and what Kate sort of referred to there about the sensory overload and what's going on underneath what's happening at a computer level is simply amazing. In real life, you've got one reality. Everybody rocks up to, let's just say, the world champs and races the one course at the same time. Everybody's got the same gravity, the same wind and all that. What you're seeing here is the combination of a, a few hundred, every, every rider that's computed individually and then combined at the server level to present the reality that we see or the virtual reality. So there is so much going on behind the scenes. It is unbelievable. Um, so for the riders as well, as Kate said, it can be complete overload um, trying to get the, you know, knowing the system, knowing the feel of the ride, knowing the feel of the bunch virtually is very different to outdoors. But it's a game people have to know, which is why this year there's a minimal Zwift level people have to get to to actually qualify for this. And there's a qualification process. Um, So we're going to see some amazing racing. But, yeah, knowing what's ticking over in the background, it's just, even for me, it's just mind-blowing where we're at now with this technology. Yeah, and let's hope it's not run by the same people that run the uh, the census, for example. You know, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, but in terms in terms of exactly that, Kate, uh, when you think about you know what the the, the guys and the girls are going to go through over the weekend, how much? Do you prepare for something like this? Because it's, you know, you'd be Zwifting on your side, you'd be Zwifting with your mates, you've got the meetups, you know, you burn X number of pizzas and stuff and you or you incorporate this part of your training. But this is a, there's been competitions on, on Zwift, but this level of worldwide competition is pretty much unreal. Yeah, we've been really building into it and they do have a Premier League uh, that's been running for a little while now. We've got a few riders in Premier League, Freddie Ovet, who uh, on the men's side was second last year and we are expecting him to, uh, be battling it out for another really great result this year. And, of course, Jay Vine, who's now on the World Tour, but he started in Zwift. Uh, that was where it all started for him. I guess every team, uh, Christoph, has a balance of riders who are very esports focused. Um, for us, for the women, uh, that would be Vicky Whitelaw and Bree Vine. They both predominantly exist in the esports racing space and they're real specialists. They know the game inside and out. They know all the power-up hacks Um, They've spent a lot of time, which is really great, kind of mentoring the younger members of the team um, on everything from the super tuck, when to do it, when not to do it, when you've got to get out of it quickly enough, when you can use uh, a power-up in a point of the race where everybody would think you're crazy, all of those really, you know, kind of gamified things. And then you've got the more traditional riders who have come from the road and Sarah Gigante I think is a mix of both for us given her incredible road prowess, but also her history uh, in using Zwift. Um, but Ashley moorman Pasio is a really good example of someone who has come from uh, the pro world in women's road racing, turned that into esports and, and now is actually focusing on esports uh, more and coming across. So it is very, they, they take them very seriously now. You know, they do have pro teams. Movistar have an esports team. Canyon mm-hmm. SRAM, of course, have a full esports team. Uh, and to Shane's point, I think we've evolved a long way from staring at a brick wall, uh, thank <laughs> goodness, might I add, <laughs> and all the dodgy things that come up on uh, YouTube when you're not within reach and halfway up a climb. Uh, but 
<laughs> Wait, that's for another podcast. Tell, tell, uh, us, more yeah, about just... this. tell us more about your experience on this. We've got I'll time. just send you some links, Christoph. I'll keep you entertained for the weekend. <laughs> uh, but I do think that the combination of the road experience and also the esports experience um, comes together beautifully. But most of all, all of them are world-class athletes. Mm-hmm. Regardless of where they race, their power numbers are something that if you're the amateur and you're looking at your power numbers, they make your mind boggle um, how consistent they can be with their power production. It's really impressive. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Shane, uh, you know, Kate touched a bit more on, on a bit early on, on on the technology, the trainers, and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell us more a bit more a bit more about the technology needed? You talked about the computing system and so on, but the actual trainer, the shipping of the trainer to all the riders and shipping it back, and this, that's a logistical nightmare in itself. Uh, but but what can we expect, and what what's the technology behind from the trainer's point of view? Oh, this is, again, as I said, I could talk for hours and hours on this. So stop me if I go too long. Um, but look, I think what we're seeing in a nutshell, the integrity of the racing this year is improving like in leaps and bounds. So the technology they use, which I use on a day-to-day basis and is my work now, is is checking that, you know, is a power meter accurate? Is the trainer accurate? There are differences. These things aren't perfect. But what they've done, and they've done it for the last few years, is level the playing field by having a consistent standard or setting a parity of sending everybody the same trainer. So what you're seeing here, there's nobody has an advantage over anybody else from the technology point of view. So they have the, um, what they're lucky enough to have sponsors for the last few years. So everybody's on the same trainer, level that playing field. People also have to have a heart rate monitor because, and, and here's an interesting story to go down a rabbit hole. There's, with other esports, let's just say it's a car racing simulator. I know a couple of, was it a few years ago, there was a car racing game and, and people sat there and raced against each other sitting down and, and that was a more skill-based game rather than a physical esport. But somebody had a friend who was a better driver. And halfway through the lap, they got their friend to sit in and set a few fast laps. And then they jumped back in the seat. But they didn't. They only got found out later on. So these things can happen. But with the technology we have for these world championships, looking at the heart rate monitor data, you could tell if somebody else jumps off the bike and jumps on. And there's also webcam requirements as well. So you're going to have to validate your performance by having a webcam film you. Um, there's also weigh-ins. There's and the data we have access to, it's it's better than what we see in the Pro Tour. And in the Pro Tour, we have I think is it Valon who do a lot of um, publication of you know, riders' data in the last kilometer or the last two kilometers, and we see. Um, you know, Viviani sprint data and things like that. We're like, oh, wow, that's excellent. There's five seconds of data on Zwift. Every single rider, we can see all their data all the time. And even at the back end, that they can run computations across that. They've looked at the you know, past history. These riders have set bench lines, um, or sorry, baselines. It's just phenomenal what's in the back end. But do I trust the results as, a, as an ex-racer myself and as an ex-Zwift racer? I got in early and then got out early before the really fast guys came along and fast girls because they fly <laughs> these days. Um, That's how we call you vintage. Yes, yes, I'm I'm happy with that. I'm I'm retired masters. Is that that's too fold away from being fast? Yes, okay, I'm okay with that. Um, It's amazing um, the validity behind what's going on and the integrity of the racing. So that's one thing that's always questioned. People saying, "Oh, there's people just spinning away at home. You know, they can cheat. They can do this." No, 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 no. It's really, really hard to cheat now, especially at this level. It's amazing. So, uh, yeah, I could go on and on and on about it. it's just, uh, it, it's super cool. And, and what we're going to see is these experienced Zwift racers going head to head, flat out from the gun. 
So if yeah. you're tuning in for the for the live streams, make sure you're there at the start line because that's the most exciting part, except for the middle and the end and all the other parts. But the yeah. start is especially exciting. <laughs> and every <laughs> kilometre in between. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Or <laughs> miles if you're from the US or the UK, but that's a, that's a different story. Uh, yeah, just to, to, uh, to finish and conclude on this, uh, what can we expect from, from our Aussie guys and girls? And you mentioned a few names, you know, Brie Vine, Jay Vine, there's, uh, Sarah Gigante. There's some, there's some ultra good quality there. Yeah, the, I mean, Bree and Jay Vine are just the golden couple of cycling, aren't they? Especially esports. Uh, both of them have a huge chance of, of delivering. It is a pretty tough course. Uh, so they go around New York, the Knickerbocker course, it's two and a half laps, 54.8 odd kilometres. It's going to be a really tough one. And the big thing for the Australians, uh, I think, is nobody is going to just be sitting around and waiting for it to happen. Um, I think we can expect from the Aussies that they'll be not necessarily wasting energy or inefficient, um, but proactive and making sure that a move doesn't go without them in it. Um, we also won't be sitting around and just waiting for a sprint at the end, uh, given the course. Uh, but this year has changed a lot. It is very professional. We have really high performance standards uh, and we can expect to see the kind of racing that we would see uh, at the World Championships in any other event. Uh, really aggressive. We do have a really, really good Australian team. Uh, Freddie Ovet in the men and Sarah Gigante in the women, both second last year. They return and they're both on exceptionally good form. And we've got a couple of uh, secret weapons in our arsenal too, uh, Christo. <laughs> I don't want to say too much more than that. Uh, but suffice to say that if you dive through Zip Zwift Power, uh, I think some people will have a whole lot of highlighters out around the Aussie team. So, um, yeah, fingers crossed everything goes well. I did say it, it's probably not the most motivating thing I've ever said, to be honest, as a director, but uh, I said to them in our team meeting yesterday, numbers would say that out of the seven of you, one of you might have crap legs. Um, and they all looked a little bit mortified and I was like, hopefully <laughs> not. But, you know, but we need to prepare for that. And so you go in uh, with every best laid plan but we'll see how it it plays out. But the Aussies won't go down without a fight, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's period. Thank you, guys. Thank you for joining the uh, the, the SBS Cycling uh, podcast. And uh, and best of luck, uh, Kate. And best of luck, Shane. But best of luck, Kate, as well, to wake up so early. I'm, I'm not even yeah. jealous. You know? I'm not <laughs> yes, even jealous. Yes. Thank <laughs> you. Take fun on <laughs> silent or I'll make sure you're up with me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you, guys. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, welcome back, uh, Maka. There was a very interesting chat about uh, e-worlds and, uh, and the e-sport, which is always, of course, uh, of uh, interest because of our sponsor, Zwift. It's not going anywhere either, by the way. No. It's, you know, we, we talked about the, the massive um, uptake through COVID uh, for the obvious reasons, everyone being in lockdown and everything. But it's, there's this, I mean, it is really interesting how you're going to see people around the world go try and get their pro contract through the, through the Swift Academy. 100%. Yeah. And, uh, and so many good riders in this uh, e-world. So tune in. Uh, it would be a super, very interesting to watch. Okay, let's talk about uh, cycling on the road at the minute this week. It's all happening in the UAE Tour. Uh, I'm tempting to say they all race, but in the end, Pogacar wins. Yeah, they all tried to race him, didn't they? Mountaintop finish. So the first, the first let's call it, serious stage. We had, we've had a bunch of sprint stages. Uh, Jasper Philipson won the opening stage. Cavs had a win. He's also had a crash. Does he crash a lot? <laughs> Does he not crash? <laughs> he, he crashes a fair bit. Uh, and, you know, he's, he's, he's not 
he's on the other side of 30, <laughs> well and truly. So, um, but on, the, on the other end, though, uh, he's done quite well on winning uh, mm. stage. So, so much that the, uh, the our good old uh, Lefebvre is now branding the carrot of the Tour de France. It's you know, Cav, it, you can go to the Tour de France, yeah. Maybe. And so. Sam Bennett is there as well, he hasn't fired a shot yet. He's back at Ball, remember? So, yeah. but let's talk about Pogacar, mountaintop finish. Decent group at the end, like 10, 15 riders. Mountain top on the motorway. Let's also yeah. figure this and out. And it was a long, long climb. Yes. It dragged up towards yeah. the end. Like it actually got steeper at the end. But Pogacha, he literally jumped 150 to go and ripped five lengths on Simon Yates and everyone else. So he's showing <laughs> the two-time... Do you reckon that Pogacar has got other races on his calendar but there's two that are very important the Tour de France but of course the UAE Tour because the team because the sponsor exactly but he's, he's showing the corporate side of it yeah 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 oh, look it's, it's a total it's totally a big goal for them it's like Jerry Ryan and Jaco with Tour Down Under mm-hmm. the Tour de France and Tour Down Under were the two most important races because when you're when your sponsor is you know it, it, it's philanthropic let's, let's be honest yeah they want glory in their home country or home city, and they want to see their team with their brand name um, winning. And that's fair enough. Uh, I'm not criticising it, but that's just how it is, isn't it? Especially when you, uh, I don't know how many millions you've decided to pay Pogacar for the next few years. Yeah, yeah, thirty is it thirty million euros something, over yeah. five years? Yeah, yeah something yeah, like yeah. this. So. No, they want they want him, they want to see him win in their home country. Can we talk about Ineos? What can we read about Ineos? Because that, that will lead us to a discussion about Egan Bernal uh, in a sec. But uh, form wise, shape wise, uh, what do we read about Ineos? Is they they're always the one to watch as well at the beginning of a season like this? Yeah, look, they they they're going to be good this year. There's no doubt. They'll be, will they be good enough to win the Tour or win a Grand Tour? That remains to be seen. But look, Luke Plapp, our bright young Aussie star, he was in great form on the mountaintop and he's been in pretty good shape just doing helping with leadouts. He attacked with about 400 to go. Um, Filippo Garner did not win the TT. Yep. He got beaten by Stefan Bissinger. Remember the Swiss yeah. ace from last mm-hmm. year? who just came from nowhere and now now we know he is the real deal when it comes to time trials. So he got beaten by Bissinger in the TT, but he finished in the front group on a mountaintop finish. And Yates, of course, was there as well. So all in all, let's remind ourselves and everyone, it's late Feb. Yeah. It's, it's very only, early on It's in the only season. late Feb. Yeah. So look, yes, Pogacar won this tour, I think, last year and then went on to win the Tour de France. But he's... He's in a league of his own, mm-hmm. so let's let's forget that for a second. But just in terms of where they're at, I think they're in good shape. And I was reading about um, Garrett Thomas um, also. Yeah, let's not forget he's still in there. <laughs> he's thirty six this year. Yeah, I can't believe that. Yeah, I'm, I, 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 maybe I just kept thinking he was thirty each year, but <laughs> yeah, he actually turns thirty six this year. So he's, you could say he's on his last chance to win a Grand Tour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's won one, well, of course, Tour de France. But if he wants to win another one, remember he's had two. Really bad luck years with injury, crashing out of Grand Tours and, mm-hmm. and so on. So be good to see G get back. Talking about Ineos crash, uh, Egan Bernal, we talked about it before. Super massive crash. But now there's a lot of filtering on social media, on some actually selected channels, the, the, some of the other newspaper channels mm. or, or the Egan Bernal uh, on social media. What do you make of this? Like, because we see him... Struggling to walk, but he's walking. Struggling to pedal, he's pedaling. Doctors told him don't do this, but he's doing it anyway. 
is it a bit of a show? Is it a bit of a, you know, he wants to show that he's still, he's still good and stuff. But, I mean, from what I see, it doesn't look great. No, I mean, yeah, that, yeah, the question is, where is he really at? Yeah. Now, we know he's, he's in rehabilitation phase. That's what he's in because of his horrific crash. And he crashed at 60 kilometres an hour into a bus. You know, his femur, multiple ribs, multiple fractures. 11 ribs. 11, yeah, 11 ribs. ribs multiple bones in his spine attached two, to his two spine. Two puncture lungs. Yeah, so it was life-threatening. I think that's a fair thing to say. He's young. He's really young, so he, he's got time on his side. He, let's compare it to Chris Froome for a second because they mm -hmm. both had broken femurs. Froome's was the femur, I think, was more serious because of his blood loss, like huge blood loss. He was very lucky to live, Chris Froome. Um, not saying Bernal wasn't, but but I think less blood loss. Plus, he's got about 10 years on his side. So I believe Bernal can come back better than what Chris Froome has. The question is how good and how much will the sport have moved forward uh -huh. without him? Because the, the, the idea of him coming back this year is... No, I'd say that's forget it. Okay. I'd say, yeah, I mean, like, I could be wrong. Look, I hope I'm wrong. I'd, wouldn't it be amazing to yeah. see him line up at the Vuelta? Not even win, but just line up, race yeah. it, win a stage and run 20th. Um, but I don't think he'll be back this year and I think it'd be almost crazy for him to... To, to even try. If he's fit and ready to race and, and just wants to race to get him ready for next year, then I don't see a problem with that. But no, I think, yeah, absolutely. We're going to follow his progress and we're going to comment on it yeah. Yeah, uh, part of me goes oh, should we just leave him alone but he's posting a lot of stuff on social media yeah. so I think we're warranted to sort of comment on that and comment on where he's at and you know what actually Coach Polton let us know what you think yeah. uh, what's your what's your vision of, of what's been happening to Egan Bernal and, and uh, should we want him to uh, to come back this year next year you know, what, what are you thinking along those lines if we now go towards what's happening in the next few uh, weeks or so Paris Paris is always yes. a, a very interesting moment because it's one of the first major short stage races happening in, in Europe and in France I would say uh, and Paris is always special for you yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, look. It's it's one of those tours, and look, I've put alongside Torino Adriatico. It's the first serious stage race of the year. It's it's yeah, the race to the sun. It's um, we know how important it is. It's run by ASO, so you get all the big teams there, the ones that want to ride the tour or riders, I should say, and teams, of course. And then Torino get the Giro. They get the Giro teams and the mm -hmm. riders that are you know primed for the Giro. So, but Paris-Nice, 6th to the 13th of March. We are, of course, live every day. Um, who will be there? Not exactly sure yet. Richie Port, we know, has won it a couple of times. But he has said, and he said to me at Tour Down Under, and this was after Bernal's crash, I asked Richie, I said, does this change anything for you? Like, is there a chance now you could go to the Tour? And he said, oh, I don't think so. He said, it's, it'll still be the Giro. But you never know. You never know. <laughs> I think even Richie could agree with that. Yeah. Even, you know, you don't know. They could tap him on the shoulder at the last minute. He, he has good form leading up to the Giro, and they say, you know what, let's save that form because Bernal's out, G's not great, or whatever. You know, they mm. could just put him in. Could we see guys like Plup actually doing something on the Paris or not really? Mate, yeah, maybe. Yes, that's a good good point, good question. Um, yeah, I'd like to think so. Um Noticed, I noticed in, in the TT at UAE, he crashed before it in the, in the warm-up 
and they didn't have time to fix his TT bike, so he had to do the TT on his road bike. Whoa, okay. Yeah, which is a, a pity. I know it's early days, but it just would have been good if he'd pushed, marked himself against Garner, against Bissinger, if he had have done a great time. Uh-huh. We know he's a great time trialist because in Paranese they're going to have one, and it, a one-week stage race could suit him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what else uh, can we talk about in the world is, of course, uh, uh, news Blood uh, happening this weekend. Yeah, yeah that's uh, right. You're we always excited about uh, that, oh. that, that, that particular semi-classic? Classic? Well, to me, it's the start of the classics. Mm-hmm. To me, it is actually the historical start of the spring classics. Yes, it's very, very early. Always late Feb, last weekend in Feb. But Het news Blood is a shortened version of Ronde van Vlaanderen, Tour yeah. of Flanders. So it's just a real good, really good marker. And it's still a bloody hard race You can win. smell the classics coming in. Mate, at the <laughs> moment, all I can smell is, is the, your wood fire the pizza. smoke coming from our pizza. <laughs> you don't have the smell, but yes, we, I think we are being smoked in or smoked out. I'm by trying the... to turn it down so I don't burn the fuel too quickly. We've got, we got, got people coming around, more people coming around. <laughs> it's oh, a party. Yeah, there it is. It's all happening here. Um, uh, yeah, you do, you do love that race. Yeah, I do. I do. I love it. Look, I I got to race it once, and it was. How hard is it? I was I was completely out of my depth, but I actually had a really good day. Um, you know, I finished bleep like I was probably about fiftieth, and there were fifty finishes, well, <laughs> so I was last. But I had so much excitement, and I wished I'd been able to go back and do Mom. races like that year in year out. Because most riders will say, like Luke Durbridge, you know, you got to Matty Heyman you got to commit 10 years for some riders to just learn the craft of riding those cobbles, riding the classics, you know, knowing the roads, the corners. The, they, they, go over, they go over two of the big climbs, um, the Murder Guamont and, of course, the Bosberg, yep. mm-hmm. uh, which they do in Flanders normally. So it's very, very similar. Um, it's literally 60 kilometres shorter. It's a 200k race. It starts in Ghent, opposed to Flanders, now starts in Antwerp, I believe. Um, so that early part is different, but Het Newsblood is great because you're straight into the hills. And if, uh, well, Annemiek yep. Van Vleuten and Tiff Cromwell are the only two former winners in the women's edition this year. So you forget Incredible. Tiff Cromwell, she's yeah. won this race. <laughs> it's massive. And she, I mean, she's off the back of a, possibly one of her best seasons, I think, with Tiff. But um, also Grace Brown, Ruby Roseman Gannon debuts. Yeah. That's going to be huge. And also Georgia Baker. The team pursuit her. She, she's, she's had a great summer and she's re-signed with Green Edge. So it's great to see, see her back there. What about Elisa Balsamo, world champion? Uh, she, she will. Like, she, she's definitely... She's she, got a writer, writer in as Yeah, contestant. she had a stage win at Valenciana, Settimana, just like yeah. a week ago. So she's in great form, the young, young Italian. And it's funny, I'm more excited about the women's version than the men's, yeah. to be honest. I think because <laughs> there's a lot more Aussie women than Aussie men. Only uh, three men, you said. Yeah, well, at this stage, from yeah. what I can see from the start list, I don't think it's finalised. So there could be a couple more. Harry Sweeney is a name we haven't talked about for a while. Yeah. Um, so he should be on the start list. That'll be good. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I just think it's a, you know, similar to the conversation we have with Liz. Um, I think it's a really exciting era for, yeah, for women's Yeah, absolutely. And, and, I, and I like what she said about 
there's no going back. You know, the, exci- nah, the excitement it. is done. It's not, it's not about breaking a ceiling or whatever. It's yeah. just, you know, the, the tidal wave has started. Yeah, there's yeah, no yeah, going yeah. back. No totally. one will roll this back. Yeah. So this is absolutely fantastic. It is. It uh, is. Any other news to conclude this podcast? Yeah, I've got one little tidbit I'd like to say, and um, this is a, a cheerio, really. Uh, Ryan Healy, who has been the event manager yeah. of Two Down Under for the last five editions, um, he is stepping aside. He's stepping down in his role. He's had two really tough years yeah. with COVID, as two we know. Two out of five is a... Yeah, it was, it's been pretty brutal for him, And actually. he's done well. Yeah, he's, <laughs> uh, he has. He's done really well. And uh, look, he's been, he's, he's been sort of himself and another person, Jess Sherwell, are the two people that I deal with at that event because I work directly for the organisation. So I just want to wish Ryan all the best. Uh, he's done a fantastic job. And, you know, I think he's put the event kept it going and put it in a good place to return as well to uh, next year so yeah. wish him all the best for the future absolutely uh, thank you Michael. I think the, the oven is ready it's got to be ready it's ready mate it's, it's ready time to whack another pizza in I think okay. you've had two already but that's alright don't worry about it <laughs> that's, that's off the record <laughs> <laughs> thank you Michael. thank you this was the uh, Zwift Cycling Central podcast and uh, before we go uh, let me uh, remind you that you can uh, download stream or subscribe to this podcast on our website sbs.com.au slash cycling central or log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Until next time, it's bye. Before we go, a quick shout out to Zwift, the app that turns indoor training into a game. Getting started on Zwift is easy. You just need your bike, a trainer and your PC, Mac or Apple device. Zwift offers training plans, interval workouts and a global community. Get strong and get motivated with every ride. Give people a ride on and you're sure to get one back as together you enjoy the massive benefits of social indoor training. Go to Zwift.com today and start your free trial.